Hey, welcome to the Transports Podcast. We're your host, Joshua and Tushar. In this podcast, we give our opinions on our favorite sports, which are basketball, soccer, and wrestling. Well, before we start episode 29, first, I want to say Happy New Year to everybody. You know, it's the start of the new year. Happy New Year. And second, you know, we apologize. You know, the last time we posted an episode was September. It's been a very long time. Um, you know, obviously things comes up and, and stuff like that, but we're back now. We we want to be very consistent as much as we can. We're happy to be back and let's get it started. Obviously, we wanted to cover it so bad, the World Cup, but yeah, I know things came up, but now we get to talk about the World Cup. All right, so let's go. Topic number one. We're going to start with the group stage. Which team shocked you the most? Which team disappointed you the most? And what was your favorite match? So for me, my group stage, my shock and disappointed is one team. And uh, this may be controversial, but I had high hopes for this team. I mean, I expect them to be one of the better teams coming out of the North American region. I like the suspense buildup. Come on. The team I'm saying, which shocked me and disappointed me the most, was Mexico. (laughs) What? Honestly, yes. The group that they had. Okay. I thought that they should be able to get out that group. Like, I mean, they're in Group C with Argentina. That Poland team was really good, too. Yeah, but like they tied on points with Poland. Yeah, like, it just came down to goal. The group was Argentina, Poland, Mexico, Saudi Arabia. That group like, was crazy. I mean, if you looked at it, that group was like what we expected. It went totally came down true. to the last game. And the game to me that that signified everything with this team, honestly, was the Argentina game. I mean, I felt like they weren't even trying to win the game. They were sitting back and defending as if. As if they were ahead or something, and like I don't know, yeah, like as if they didn't care. That was an interesting care. tactic. Like, like it definitely. Wasn't I don't know what the manager that, was thinking. I mean, I, I believe know. he's been fired as of now. Yeah. But to me, like embarrassing. I, I don't know what they were doing. They have extreme talent on this roster, and to me, it wasn't even being utilized at all. But I mean, they do come up later on my list for some other, you know, things we're going to talk about. But to me, that was the most disappointing team and the most shocking, in my opinion. And my favorite match was also from this group. It was Saudi Arabia versus. Argentina. To me, that was a great game. Okay. I liked it. I mean, and the goal, the winning goal, what a goal it was, you know? That was that was definitely a beautiful great goal. Great goal. Dribbled through, I think, like two players and curled it into the, to the far post. I mean, like, what can you say? Like, that's literally a great goal. So, for me, the team that shocked me the most, uh, I would say Morocco. I mean, they're the feel-good story. They were in a group where they played Croatia first, the runner-ups, the team that made it to the 2018 World Cup Finals. And they tied with them. Then they played Belgium, a team that was ranked number two in FIFA's ranking as one of the best teams out there, a team that a lot of people thought was going to make a very deep run in the World Cup. They beat them 2-0. Then they played um, Canada, 1-2-1. And the one thing that really stands about Morocco is their defense. They really don't allow anybody to score goals. The Canada goal was an own goal. So the only actual time they actually got scored on against the I think when they played Spain, it was 0-0. They played Portugal, they won 1-0. Only team that scored against was France, which scored 2-0. But their defense, and they're a feel-good story, a team I don't think a lot of people didn't expect them, but it was nice to see how, how far they made it. And and to me, for them to come out of a group, it was Croatia, Belgium in there as those top two titans, I would say. I mean, I, it was it was surprising. Um, for me, the team that disappointed me the most, I mean, I technically have two. I mean, I think it's pretty even, but this one I would say is the most Belgium. I mean, this is a team that was ranked number two in the world. Um, it looked That's like their one last golden generation, their opportunity, De Bruyne, Lukaku, Hazard, those type of talent. And 
they won their first game and then they lose to Morocco and then against Croatia where it just felt like they should have won the game. But regardless, they should have, in my opinion, won the group. They should have won all three games, but they didn't. And to me, what my issue more with Belgium is that you have the guy, Kevin De Bruyne, who I think Josh and me agree was the best player on the team. Um, yeah. And he comes out and, and says that we're too old. We can't win the World Cup. I just don't think that's the right actions by a leader. Like, maybe you could feel that way, but to say that publicly and knowing that you're going to play on that team, how is your teammates going to feel about that? How are they going to be confident that you're going to say, we can't really win the World Cup, but you're still here to compete for it? That just didn't make sense to me. I didn't like the way he did Then I feel like, for me, Belgium's really collapse came down to, obviously, I think team chemistry. There was... It was reports or things like that that the teammates didn't like each other. This guy didn't like this guy. It was just a lot of turmoil, bad chemistry in it. And because of that, you know, they weren't there. But they tried. They had the talent. But bottom line, the chemistry, and I think the belief wasn't there that they could do it. And now, you know, who knows what happens next World Cup if probably a lot of those guys retire. Who knows who comes back to that opportunity. And now it looks like the golden generation for now is is done, you know, Belgium. And it's disappointing that they didn't they not won a World Cup in their era. Obviously, there's a lot of talented teams, but they should have won. I think they should have definitely this World Cup at least made it out of the group stage. I could even mention Germany. They didn't qualify for the World Cup, but Belgium was the most disappointing. But obviously there was other teams as well, but it was specifically Belgium. For me, my favorite match, I don't know, Josh, if this will catch you by surprise. Um, I don't know if he's even talked about Spain versus Germany in the group stage. <laughs> um, I thought it was a great match because those are like kind of the two, if you think about former World Cup winners, 2010 versus the 2014 winners. And I felt like it played to the hype, these two titans of European teams, and it was 1-1. I felt like Germany could have won the game, but I enjoyed the game. I felt like it was a lot of action. It felt like, you know, both teams was really solid in the attacking and the defensive end. It was just a fun game to watch. I enjoyed it, even though it was 1-1. It was one of the, I think, definitely one of the best games I like. I always like watching Spain and Germany. For some reason, they always put up some great battles. Now we're going to move on to the round of 16. So which team shocked you the most? Which team disappointed you the most? And what was your favorite match? Okay, so to me, the the team that shocked me the most, honestly, was uh, Morocco. I mean, like you said earlier, I mean, the way that they were playing from the group stage, I mean, I was wondering if they could sustain it, you know, because really no one was expecting that. And I would have had them as my, you know, most shocked team for the group stage. But to me, Mexico just t- took the cake in my opinion. <laughs> like, but, yeah, I feel like Morocco played amazing. They had their schemes all set perfectly, in my opinion. Like, the coaching was great. And they knew what their plan was, and they, and they stuck to it. And they just played, you know, how they were supposed to play. But to me, the biggest disappointment in the round 16 was Spain. I mean, they had an explosive group stage. Everyone thought that the way they were playing, they were the team to be, I guess, right? And then they get stopped, literally stopped I mean, in their yeah. tracks. Remember the, the first game? Shut down. They, yeah, the yeah. first game they played against uh, Costa Rica, 7-0. Well, Morocco shut them down, took them to penalties, and got the win. So, I mean, yeah. that to me was the shock and disappointment, like those two matches. And that could be my favorite match. But, unfortunately, another match has taken the cake. And that was the 6-1 demolition of Switzerland by Portugal. Okay, so in a sense, this is your favorite match, not really in a sense of a competitive matter, but more of your yeah, yeah, favorite yeah, match. Yeah, okay, I mean, okay. like, like my personal favorite, like the match okay, I enjoyed gotcha, watching gotcha. the most. Gotcha. Yeah, it was Portugal essentially picking apart Switzerland 6-1. Switzerland is a very good team, though, but Portugal yeah, just yeah. caught fire. I, don't, I don't, just don't know what Switzerland just – it wasn't their night. It was a really good game. I mean, I think – well, it was pretty one-sided, obviously, but I like attacking games like that. I mean, I can also appreciate the defensive games. 
I think honestly we we've, we've kind of had the same answer except you know the favorite match we differed on I would say but I mean for me the team that shocked me most was Morocco made it past the group stage but again like you said can they do this again a lot of people thought Spain was one of the favorites to lift that trophy their team was very talented top to bottom a lot of great players and then for them to yeah zero zero defend them lock them down take them to penalties and I always feel like and I don't know how you feel about this Josh when it gets to penalties anybody can win it's anybody's game at that point and Morocco just made their penalties and, and the goalkeeper stopped it so then for me yeah that would be Morocco and the team that disappointed me the most uh same as you Josh Spain I mean a team a lot of high expectations they started off really good in the group stage beating um Costa Rica then they tied with Germany and but the last game that they played against if I'm correct it was Japan um you know that one I'm not gonna lie I expected so much more than Spain they did lose and because of that they kind of went into the next game with I would say not on a high point because they just lost the game so it's like sometimes it's about momentum like you say momentum shift and and they kind of ended on a bad note they could have won their group and we even talk about Japan shocking us they won the group Japan won the group (laughs) Shout out Japan, man. I'm not disrespecting Japan. Of course not. What no, I'm they've been really more, good. Yeah, but it was more of a shock, man. The one thing I like of Japan, man, their people and everything, they're a class act team yeah. and a class act people. Seen a video of circulate how Japan, after I think the Spain game, they were cleaning up the arenas. It's a class yeah, yeah. act country. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, but again, of course, not disrespecting Japan. Again, the shock is like the same thing when we said, uh, oh yeah, same thing. Morocco won the group. Another shocker. It's just mm-hmm. what you don't expect. And then these teams put us on notice, like, you know, hey, you know, we're here. You could we've been talking about these other teams, but we're here too. But yeah, Spain to me was very disappointing. They they started off really strong, 7-0. They ended really bad. And then losing to Morocco, I felt like they should have made a very deep run. I honestly thought should they should have been France versus Spain. They should have been there. But I believe in the 2018, they got eliminated in the round of 16. And again, they got eliminated in the round of 16. So that's tough. Since 2010, it's been a little roller coaster ride for uh, for Spain in the World Cup 2014 group stage exit 2018 um, an exit um, in the round of 16 2022 round of 16 exit um, but yeah I was very disappointed in Spain I, I expect a lot and my favorite match I think Japan versus Croatia I mean I thought it was a thrilling match Japan was up 1-0 then Croatia came back you could call them the comeback kids they go to penalties and uh, you know it was just comes down to penalty Croatia made theirs and in Japan you know they, the goalkeeper stopped it um, but yeah it was a very um that was definitely one of my favorite matches. It was, it, was, it was just a thriller. It was really fun to watch, and it was a lot of action. Now we're going to review the quarterfinals. Which team shocked you the most? Which team disappointed you the most? And what was your favorite match? To me, I mean, I think this should be a no-brainer, bro. Uh, the shock the most to me was um, Morocco again. I mean, it's like they have it's like they have a gift for like putting out these offensive like juggernauts, these fire these teams that are on fire. Like they just have the right tactic and sense of mind to shut it down because once again this is not an easy feat portugal coming off winning 6-1 a lot of people had them for the favorites to advance and what happened morocco shuts them down and the game ends what 1-0 to me morocco plays to their strengths and i really like teams like that they know how to hold defensively they know how to keep their line and they just focus on shutting down the, the opposition players and they did just that and they advanced and so they made me, history first African yeah. nation to make it to semifinals. I just think that was a great game to me. That was literally the shock. Disappointment, I mean, I feel like I could say Portugal because like uh, 
like I said previously, they did come off that that big win. So everyone, including me, was expecting them to walk past Morocco. Not walk past, but for it to be a good game. But, you know, they, they let a lot of people down. I think that they didn't play up to, like, their capabilities. And a lot of that is due to Morocco shutting them down. But I feel like it was just an interesting game. And, yeah, that, that to me was the disappointment was Portugal. And my favorite game. No, this one is a no-brainer. <laughs> my favorite game has to be Netherlands versus Argentina. That might be people's favorite game of the whole tournament. To me, that was my favorite game. End-to-end stuff. Last-second goals. Even going to penalties, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but, you know, that's how it goes. And Argentina came out victorious. I mean, congratulations to them. Also, congrats to Messi for winning the World Cup. Yeah, congrats to him. And we'll get back. We're going to be talking about this. But my bad. (laughs) I think it was a great game, man. Like, talk about, like, had you on the edge of your seat, literally. It was just a great game to watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So, for me... um... You know, I would say the team that uh, shocked me the most was Croatia. When we saw them play Brazil, yeah, I would have said Morocco here, but Croatia really shocked me because Brazil was the number one ranked team. People talked mm-hmm. about how their bench is so elite that they could start. That's true. Their whole bench could start. And I thought Brazil was going to play Argentina. And of course... Nothing but respect for Croatia. I think a lot of people wanted that as a dream match. Neymar versus Messi on the biggest yeah. stage um, to a chance for to compete for the finals. And I got to give a lot of credit to that Croatia goalkeeper. He saved a lot of opportunities. He was definitely one of the best goalkeepers in the tournament. If it wasn't, I think he comes second, maybe after the Argentina. And the Poland goalkeeper was also very good for them to be down 1-0. And I'm thinking, okay, now Brazil has the game. They're just going to defend. They're going to win. No Croatia. The comeback Kings late in overtime, in second overtime, score the goal, go 1-1, go to penalties and win the game, showing heart and taking out the number one team. A lot of people thought that Brazil was going to lift the trophy. They had the team to do it. And that's why shocked, absolutely stunned. And, And massive props to Croatia for pulling it off. Sometimes wins are not like, oh, you know, they didn't, it had to go penalty, went to overtime, but they got the job done. That's what type of grit teams do. For me, the team that disappointed me, I would say, I say Brazil. I mean, because this is the number one ranked team. I honestly thought they should have at least got to the semifinals. And honestly, if I, I mean, we never made our predictions, Josh. I don't know who, if, yeah. if I don't mind you, who did you have prior? Because honestly, for me, prior, I had Brazil and France being yeah, in the finals. I agree. And I thought Brazil was yeah. going to win it all because obviously France had a lot of injuries as well. But I thought Brazil was going to be there. So for me, for them not to be there, the number one ranked team, and we've seen how good that team was. We even without when Neymar couldn't play those two games, then they played South Korea absolutely just breezed to them 4-1. So very, I was kind of dis, uh, disappointed, but Brazil is a really good team and they can definitely come back and, and win it. But fortunately, Brazil, I mean, they've had a lot of World Cups of a quarterfinal exit. It seems like it's like when they get there, like 2000, I think 2010 quarterfinal exit against the Netherlands, 2014 semifinal exit versus Germany. And we all remember that game. It was definitely Germany's one of their best games. Neymar did not play that game. 2018 quarterfinal exit to Belgium and 2022 quarterfinal exit. So the last four of the five World Cups, they got bounced out in the quarterfinals. And to me, my favorite match, I mean, Argentina versus the Netherlands. I mean, it started off <laughs> 2-0. It looked like Argentina was going to cruise. But that Argentina, we, we noticed... It was kind of all the games I would say, you know, though in the in the except the Croatia game, 
those in the uh, round of 16 first against Australia up 2-0. Then the, the goal was scored by Australia. I think it was an own goal, but it was still a goal. Yeah. And then at the end, um, Martinez saves it. At the end, it could have been 2-2. Against the Netherlands, it was 2-0, became 2-2. And against France, 2-0, became 2-2. So then it looked like Argentina was going to get the win. And out of nowhere, Netherlands score that first goal. And then the second goal, my goodness, what a goal. And it wasn't even <laughs> like it felt like a goal where he hit a crazy free kick. It was yeah. like a really good pl- set play. Yeah, set piece, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Set piece that they that they did. And it was so beautiful. Like, And when I saw that, I was like, this cannot be. This cannot be. This was crazy stunning. And then the Netherlands are one of the most successful. I know this comes out. I'm not going to say in a bad way, but Netherlands are one of the most successful European teams who've never won a World Cup. They're very talented. That's true. They've got there to the finals a few times, but they just haven't got the job. They have a very good team. Very talented team. Um, But yeah, that would be my favorite match, I would say for sure. I think it's it's everybody's, you know, in in the quarterfinals. We're going to review the semifinals. Which team shocked you the most? Which team disappointed you the most? And what was your favorite match? Um, Honestly, I don't think there are any really crazy shocks or disappointments here. I thought Morocco played pretty good. They just they just weren't. It just wasn't their day, you know? Hmm. And Croatia, I could say the same thing for them. I mean, I feel like they could have, like, especially with, like, the way they were playing, I did kind of expect a bit more maybe. But I don't know. I feel like there weren't really any crazy shots for me or, or like, nothing okay. crazy happened. Like, like, anybody, like, who I expected to win, like, won in the end. Yeah. And then what about your favorite match? I know it was only two oh, my options. favorite match, but... I'm going to say yeah. France versus uh, Morocco. Yeah. Because in the beginning, like, I feel like it was kind of Morocco, like, locking down France. And then France had, like, those moments where yeah, they, I, like, broke yeah. the defense. Uh, so for me, what team shocked me most again and disappointed is not really because at that point, when you have those four teams in the semifinals, how can they really shock or disappoint you? Because, you know, like they made it to the semifinals. Yeah. That's a big thing. I mean, if I was going to say any team that maybe shocked me a little, but this is not really negative because France did win the match. But in the beginning, I'm not going to lie, when I was watching that game, when France was up 1-0. They didn't look like the World Cup team that I was yeah, accustomed they to seeing. They a bit seeing. shaky, to be honest. They man. look really shaky. Morocco had their number, but Morocco just didn't get the goal. But Morocco was on the attack, and it felt like it was Morocco's dominant game. But again, you know what I say about great teams. You find a way to win even when you're not at your best. They found a way to win, but Morocco was dominant. There was a period of stretch that they were dominant. So in that sense, I was only shocked because I didn't see the France team that I expected. Even against Argentina, we saw, you know, first, like, what, 70 minutes? Yeah. They didn't look good. So, yeah, that's how I look at that. But, like, disappointed again. Could I say I'm not really disappointed in Croatia because they made it far. The only sense is that maybe I expect the Croatia to make the game more competitive. I didn't see it being like that, especially the fact that knowing the teams that they had to beat to get there, specifically Brazil. So I still expected Argentina or France to win. So it's not really any shock disappointment. But if I had to, like, a brief one, that's only briefly because, again, France, I expected them – you know, to play better, they didn't play that well, but they still won. And then Croatia, I thought it would be a little more close, but they lost. But still, Croatia made it that far. And a lot of people counted them out. And they ended up third, you know. So, yeah. So, next one. Review. We're going to review the finals. What do you think about that game? Has your opinion on Messi or Mbappe changed? And the GOAT debate. Is this GOAT <laughs> debate between Messi and Ronaldo, which has been talked about? We've never actually mentioned it on this podcast. Um, and we're gonna mention it today, but what do you th- and what do you think about that? Has that changed? Is there an undisputed goat now? For me personally, I think this is one of the best games I've seen in like a long time. It was a really good game. Argentina literally had like a chokehold on the game for like the first like I'm gonna say, like 
I basically want to say like three quarters, bro. Seventy-ish minutes. Yeah, like, like it was like, like 75, 78 minutes. Once that penalty kick came, and then but yeah, then yeah, the okay. penalties came, Mbappe's goal, the, the volley, oh hat trick in the final. Very rare. Like, like not, what can you say, bro? Mm, like that's some legendary stuff right there, bro. Yeah. And I, I just thought it was a really good game, man. My opinion on each player. I mean, I don't feel like anything's really changed much. I feel like I mean Mbappe, obviously, like that's legendary stuff to do. Hat trick in the final. You know, lead your team to penalties. And, you know, I feel like that's some, like I said, legendary stuff. And obviously, I gained some respect for Messi. I mean, he's doing what Messi does, you know. Obviously, he gets his goal. Obviously, runs the offense for his team, you know. Pretty much did everything I expected him to do, you know. Had a great performance. And as usual, man, just, you know, did what he does. What was the second point? I mean, second question? The the goal debate. For the goal debate, honestly, um, I'm going to say that I have, you know, no comment on the goal debate, you know. Like. Um, honestly, for what I see from Messi, like legendary stuff, won the World Cup. He literally won every award there is to win that he could have won. He won it, you know. And you know, for Ronaldo, I mean, obviously the way that the World Cup ended for him, bench player, subbed on, team losing. I feel like that has to hold some stock, you know. Like that shows not the levels, but I guess where they're regarded at the moment, you know. And you know, I guess the consensus is that the gold debate is over. Which is fair, I guess, because if you look at it on paper, like Messi won the World Cup. Ronaldo probably isn't going to do that. His next change is when he's, what, in his 40s, I think? 41, yeah. Yeah, so it's pretty much done. And if he does get into the to Portugal squad, he'll probably be a sub or something if he even gets minutes. So I guess it's fair to say that the goal debate, like, is over from what I'm hearing. Me personally, I don't really have an opinion on it. I mean, but. Yeah, I want to hear your opinion on it, you know? Uh, okay, but first, like, are you saying, like, you don't really, like, have a number one set? I'm actually saying that, that I don't have a one set at the moment yet. But okay, I do understand where people are coming from when they say, like... Okay, but in your over, reasoning, you, know? you don't have Ronaldo's number one mess. You both, you kind of have them both as GOATs? Like, you don't really have a GOAT? Yeah, like, I don't have a defined, like, one Is there yet, somebody so above I mean, those two, in your opinion? Not at the moment, from what I'm, from what I'm like, seeing. Or, or, like, is it just Ronaldo or Messi? Because obviously there's a lot of other great players we've seen who've played in, though. You know? Yeah, that's true. But when it comes to statistical, they're probably the most successful. Yeah. When it comes to awards and all that. Obviously, we've seen Diego Maradona uh, and also Pele, uh, con- condolences to yeah, Pele's family and, and and rest in peace to the legend because Pele is one of the greatest Brazilian, if not the greatest Brazilian soccer yeah. player of all times, won three World Cups. Um, And he's a special talent. And, and we heard that news for sure. I remember talking to Josh that was a... Some devastating news. He's a legend, icon, and uh, he would definitely be missed, but never will be forgotten. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think about the game? I mean, what is it to say? 3-3 in the finals, going to penalties. I mean, that was a absolute thriller game. The first 75 minutes, I just saw, wow, Argentina's going to win. And France just didn't look, again, they just didn't look good. Like, like against Morocco, they didn't look, you know, like the World Cup team we expected. And then the penalty that was created, Mbappe hits that, okay, 2-1. to one. Then literally, like, what, like a minute later, he scores another goal. Yeah. And that beauty of a goal makes it 2-2. Two, two, very interesting. That save, uh, uh, the Francis goalkeeper. Yeah. This, this, yeah. The save that he made against Messi, the last, it was like in the 90th plus, plus minute of, mm. and he, and that Messi had a goal that could have been a goal and that he saved it. Uh, so like when you talk about a World Cup classic game, I think you co- it comes down to the sense where goalkeepers stop incredible shots. That happened. Um, the game was very good. That happened. Well, towards the end it got better, but obviously in the beginning it was so so. 
There was a lot of goals, 3-3. Stars showed up, Mbappe had trick, Messi two goals. So everything we expected, Messi and Mbappe, I think a dream match of how cool it was. Um, and they're 1-1 one one against each other. Think about that in the World Cup. Mbappe yeah. got him first in 2018, <laughs> won the World Cup 2022. Messi got him in the in the biggest stage. And that first game, 2018, I really liked that one. 4-3, it was, was a classic game. So, yeah, I think uh, that game was one of the best I've seen. Um, and, yeah, I don't think it's really um, – it's hard to debate. I don't know if that's like the best game I've ever seen. It's definitely up there. I have to really look through all the games that I've watched personally. Obviously, there's so many games, but the first World Cup I remember watching was 2010. That's the first one I remember watching, Netherlands and and then Spain. But there was a lot of great matches. I think this has it might have to be number one, but I'm going to really think about that one. Um, has your opinion on Messi or Mbappe change? Messi, yeah, I would say, I mean, for me... I'm going to get into the messy one later, obviously, opinion change of like whether he's the GOAT or not or whether it's the undisputed GOAT. But I'm going to get into it when I talk about the GOAT debate. But for me, Mbappe, I would say definitely Mbappe's been a guy, you know, he's won the World Cup and stuff. But to me, you know, there's one thing that even Josh says, he doesn't have a, a Champions League yet. He's kind of, under, I would say, underachieved for sure. He's part, obviously, obviously Neymar's there, Messi's there, but definitely part of the underachieving in, in PSG. But the way he played in the World Cup with all the injuries that this uh, team sustained with Kareem Benzema, Conte, um, yeah. What were the other names? Uh, and there was definitely a lot more. Uh, yeah, that's true. There were also some players who who've been had some sicknesses for like a short stint of time. Yeah, too, yeah. So there was like six was or seven players that general. were missing. Um, and like for them to, you know, for them, there was a talk about the curse. They went down one zero to Australia. Uh, they win the group. Then they, even though I know they lost the last game because they kind of rested their players. You know, start off against Poland three one and Mbappe dominant. Then against England. Two of a very strong countries, and and then they win, and then Morocco, and then Argentina to still get to the finals is impressive. I don't, I can't remember in any um recent time where a team has gone back to back in the finals, because if you look at 2010, Spain and Netherlands, right? 2014, two completely different teams, Germany, Argentina. Yeah. If you look at uh, uh 2018, France, Croatia, two different teams. 2022 France and Argentina. So France and Argentina have been there kind of in the like they've been to two two finals in the I think 2014 2022 so I guess that's like 8 years and then France back to back. So very impressive I would say uh, in a recent time haven't seen I don't know when's the last time for sure it happened but very very awesome uh for them to get to the final. So for sure Mbappe I think he's a very top player but for him to be obviously one of the greats. He's very young and he has a lot to accomplish, but he definitely has the chance in his career to win multiple championships because he's playing. He's also very talented, but his team is very good. Um, and when it comes to the GOAT debate, I mean, now, Josh, my turn, right? I've never talked about, yeah. we've never <laughs> talked about the GOAT, but when I always thought about the GOAT debate, I never really saw anybody as the GOAT because I looked at Ronaldo and Messi. I was like, okay, they both really have everything in a sense. They both kind of accomplished the same thing. So we look at first Ronaldo. He has five Champions League, won a lot of league titles, won five Ballon d'Ors. Um, he kind of has everything statistically. Then the one thing that in the beginning we were talking about for Messi and Ronaldo was that Ronaldo doesn't have an international title. 2016 come in a, in the Euro Cup is very competitive, wins it. Wins it. Yes, he couldn't play in the finals. It, it was sad to see, but for his team to still get the, the win and to win and how much it meant for Portugal, they're first major title they only won yeah. two major titles and, and that's under Ronaldo part of Ronaldo being on the team obviously their whole team but you know we know Ronaldo's the best Portugal player to ever live so you know for for that to to happen you know that was very awesome 
experience for him for sure um, for their for their country. Then I think after that they played in the Nation Leagues, if I'm correct, in 2019. They won that another major title for Portugal. So then he won two international titles. Then at that time I was thinking, okay, I still didn't have an like, actual. Um, an actual kind of like goat. Obviously, I looked at it as like maybe Ronaldo at that time. Maybe a lot of people looking like he's leading it. Maybe he's leading that goat debate because he has international titles where Messi doesn't. Because again, Messi has seven Ballon d'Ors, four Champions League, a lot of league titles. Yeah, he has all of those awards they have. Yeah, maybe he has more Ballon d'Ors and Ronaldo has more Champions League, but in a sense, it's mostly the same. They won multiple Champions League, multiple Ballon d'Ors, multiple league titles. Um. And then Messi, obviously, he's been to a lot of finals in the Copa America. There was a lot of conversations about him saying, hey, like, and then, um, you know, like, he got to the finals and they lost and he missed some penalties. And there was, and then he eventually even retired from the Argentina yeah, national that, yeah. team. And then it looked like, okay, maybe this debate, right? Maybe it is Ronaldo because Messi was not able to deliver, you know, a major title for Argentina. Then he decides to come back 2018. Obviously, um, they lost, right? Still... It's tough. They lost in a round 16. Obviously, they lost to the world champions, but still. Then we get to when, uh, who's, uh, sorry, I want to just double check the name of the, uh, want to make sure I pronounce it right. What was the name of the, uh, uh, Liano, right? Lino Scaloni, I think. Yeah, yeah, Scaloni. Sorry, I apologize. I wanted Scaloni. to make sure we get the name right. Scaloni came as he becomes the coach, and, and shout out to him. He got a lot. He had a lot of criticism too. He was an exceptional. What he's been able to do in Argentina in a very short period of time. Get to the Copa America. They win it. Big major title. Yes, we talk about the competitiveness. I'm not going to deny Copa America is a still a big title. Argentina and Brazil are seen as the two big favorites always to to play. It's going to be awesome to see Mexico and USA to join it. But we see, um, um, obviously, people talk about Euro versus the Copa. And obviously, the Euro is more competitive. European is the most competitive soccer league. But Argentina, South America is also very competitive. There's a lot of good teams. Messi wins the Copa America. Very awesome experience. First major title. There we go. Now he's got one major title. Then he wins the Felicima second major title. So now they're both even. They both got major titles for their countries. Again, it's hard to... Then we go to 2022. And I remember telling you, Josh, if one of these people win the World Cup, that's the GOAT. That's how I looked at it. They're statistically almost even. They have goals, everything. Yes, some might have more of this and that, but everything they have, like, He's got Ballon d'Ors. He's got Champions League. They got international titles. But the one thing that neither of them had at that point was a World Cup. World Cup comes. Ronaldo, unfortunately, I'm going to just say something. Did not like the way he was treated. A legend like yeah. that. I still think By he can play too, at a very man. high level. The media, for some reason, attacks him for no reason because Messi is a hated player. I'm not saying he doesn't get criticism. But to the level of Ronaldo, definitely not. Because Ronaldo, True. on the other hand, when I saw him against that Morocco game, he was he was tear. He he was trying to hold back his tears before he got to the back. Mm -hmm. When I was watching the TV, the camera angle showed that he um, pushed yo, the yeah. person who came on the field. Like, why did they? Then do Then I that, saw bro? another video. It popped up on my like Instagram. I saw another video, and the other angle clearly showed that play that person him, right? bumped into him. Yeah. But what Crazy. the camera angle showed us was not that, and I didn't know that. I thought, wait, I was thinking, I was like, he's sad, you know, obviously, I'm not going to really be mad about that, but when I saw the camera, I was like, first of all, he didn't even do it, and you really want to show it like that? Like, It's so weird. And then constant, like, attack, attack. I'll say something about Ronaldo. I'm getting back to the messy thing. Do I like what happened in Man United? No, I don't like the fact that he did it right before the World Cup, because he, a lot of those players play on a team, and I felt like it caused some chaos. I don't like the way he exit. I'm not saying his reasoning for that, like, 
new coach not playing him. There's many reasons, but I feel like the way he handled it, I don't think you should do it in a public manner. I think that's something that should be handled privately. That's just how I feel. But I definitely don't like the way he was disrespected. I understand they won 6-1, but he's an icon. And I still feel like at the age of 37, he can play at a very high level. And I don't know why he got disrespected like that. It's sad to yeah. see. Um, but when again, let's get back to Messi. So then, yeah, he gets eliminated. And obviously, Ronaldo did not have his best World Cup. He did score the first goal, but he didn't have his best World Cup. Then get to Messi. He makes it to the finals, win the World Cup. And that was the point when I said, that's my number one. That's the goal, I think, because he won the World Cup. And to me, they both have everything. They're pretty even. It's a one and two. But that World Cup was like, okay, Messi's number one. Now, if Ronaldo somehow plays as 41 years, win the World Cup, we're going to have a discussion. At this point, <laughs> like, right now, I would close in. I would say Messi's number one. But Ronaldo is two. But to say it's there's some people I've seen, like, oh, there was never a debate. I think that's cap because there was a debate. Yeah. I feel like this debate was ongoing, and I feel like it concluded now. And maybe some people still think Ronaldo's better, but I still think it's very even statistically. It's just the World Cup. They That's what they don't have, and, and that's the hardest trophy to win, the difficult trophy to win, and he did it. But this was a debate going ongoing. I don't know what, like I said, people saying it. It was never a debate, this and that. Nah, let's not disrespect Ronaldo. He's still one of the greatest of all time. And if this was Ronaldo's last Pro Cup, thank you for everything that you've done in the World Cup, Ronaldo, you're a legend. And the criticism that you get, it's so sad. Like, you deserve so much better. Um, it's a generational talent. He he really showed us. He came the way, where he came from to where he is now. I mean, my goodness. Special, special talent. So what are your top five goals of the tournament? Okay, so for me, my goals are this. I don't know if this is controversial, but at five, I have Luis Chavez, free kick goal versus Saudi Arabia. To me, that was a great goal, one of the best free kicks of the tournament, especially considering, like, you know, how they were playing, you know. Just in general, I just thought it was a great goal. Yeah, I, I like that. I agree with you. I like Next. that. I mean, my order is different, but I, I do agree it's, it's in the top five for sure. Next, I'm picking Paik Sung-ho. He had a volley. He's a South Korean player that he scored against Brazil. It was a consolation goal, but it was it was a really good volley from outside the box. That was outside. a beautiful goal, for sure. I thought that was one of the best goals of the tournament. But, you know, it's obviously not going to get uh, much coverage you're talking about because they did get cooked by Brazil. But, you know, that's tough. For me, another one uh, I'm picking is going to be Enzo Fernandez's goal versus Mexico. I mean, I don't know why, but I just love goals like that. Like, we're like, he got the pass from Messi, did one step over, cut in, and just hit it a It was a nice goal, corner. for sure. I like that goal. Like, to me, it just looked really good. Next, my second goal will be Mbappe's volley versus Argentina. I mean... To me, like, I don't know. I, I have a thing for volleys. I just love volleys. The way he hit it, he was basically parallel to the ground, hit it into the far post, far corner. Great goal for me. And number one, I mean, this should go without saying, in my opinion, the best goal of the tournament by far for me was Richarlison's goal versus Serbia. Like, this is a no-brainer, man. Interesting. What a um, goal. Bicycle kick. He did what he had to do, and yeah, he scored an amazing goal. Yeah. I think I'm it's one goal of the tournament. Yeah. Honest. I'm surprised you didn't see the goal against Argentina, the second goal that Saudi Arabia did. I mean, Zalina, yeah, that was on my I'm list. Surprised, but... I'm surprised you didn't have that because that goal was yeah. very That was difficult. on my list, yeah. Okay, okay. I'm just surprised, uh, but yeah. But it didn't make the final cut. All right, number five, I have Messi's goal versus Mexico. I thought it was a very awesome goal. Um, Like, it was, you know, 60th minute, and it was from a far distance. It just looked like a beautiful goal. I love kind of goals yeah, from a, like such a far distance and and for him to make it obviously you know the pressure of the situation which we're about to get to our clutch goals um but i just i just like the goal 
At number four, Mbappe versus Argentina, his second goal. I mean, like you said, the volley, right? That's what you said? Yeah. Um, How beautiful it was, kind of the pass. He got the bounce pass and then that goal. I mean, it was so beautiful. Like, I can't even... It was just awesome. I mean, that was like one of definitely a really great goal and to make it 2-2. And it, it was just like, I remember screaming in my, my house. Like, <laughs> I just, for me, I like, at that point, I just wanted to see a good game. Um, And I remember when I watched it, I was like, man, it's 2-0. Like, I, I really wish the game was competitive. That's what we were expecting. We like thriller games when we see star players. And then when Mbappe scored that second, I remember I was in my, I was screaming, Mbappe! <laughs> It was so fun, man. But that game was a thriller. And number three, I got, uh, I hope I said his name right, Salim's goal versus Argentina. The second goal, I mean, bro, he he crossed like three people and yeah. he scored some crazy goal. That was a very beautiful goal. I mean, I still can't remember when I woke up in the morning and I searched up on Google because I unfortunately wasn't able to watch that match. That match was very early in the morning. Mm. I wanted to watch it. Sure. I was like, <laughs> a lot of people thought Argentina was going to win. And apologize to Saudi Arabia because I woke up I was like, and I just couldn't like, I had to like rub my eyes like 10 times. I felt like I'm like I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, am I reading this right? Like Saudi Arabia <laughs> won. Like it was shocking. And obviously no disrespect to them. And of course nobody expected that. Um, but yeah, that goal was awesome. Number two, you're gonna be shocked to have a number one. But okay. number two, I have Rashardison goal versus so what's Serbia. The, one? <laughs> the, one is. the the uh scissor kick, I would say that goal okay, was yeah. so beautiful. It was kind of yeah. like they passing the ball, it's kind of like falling, and the fact that he made that goal was so awesome. I know this is more, I would say, personal of why I put this number one, but like it was tough. It was between one of these two. But I know you put you ranked this lower than me, but I had to put it. And number one, Luis's Chavez free kick versus Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, bro. When I saw that free kick, yeah, it was a great goal. You know, it was so far in distance. And it was it was such a beautiful goal that when he hit it, like the goalkeeper had no chance of stopping yeah. it. He dived it the right way place, yeah. and it was perfect place. Like I don't know why that goal was so awesome. Like, yeah, oh my fair. goodness. It just felt like, man, like you see guys like Ronaldo, Messi doing for for him. Like, it was so shocking. Like, I'm not disrespecting, but like, it was so shocking when I'm watching. I'm like, no way. I just stunned. Like, it was for me. At that point, I had Richardson go as the best of the tournament. When I saw that one, I just thought it topped it. But this mm-hmm. is the bait. You could put one Richard. It was tough, but that goal was just something special, man. I still can't believe when I saw it, bro. Uh, yeah. All right. So let's uh, move on to the, what are your top five clutches goals of the tournament? <laughs> Okay, so for me, uh, in order, I assume, uh, I'm going to say Asano's goal versus Germany in Japan versus the group stage was last minute goal. Like, it was like a through ball they played, and he just, like, tapped it over the keeper. I thought that was a really clutch goal. They did end up winning the game. So, to me, and no one expected them to win the game. Like, that was an upset. So, I like that one. Uh, Next, I'm going to say clutch to me again was... Huang He Chan's goal versus Portugal, assist from Sun, who literally took on like three players and, and passed it to, between like two players' legs, and he dinked it past the keeper for another game winner, which I thought was a, a, a big win. Next, I'm going to say Jerusalem winner versus England. Uh, a header that he hit in off the assist from Griezmann, the cross from Griezmann, thought it was a great goal, and it was also a winner. And these two, these top two, like I feel like these two like are like extremely clutch. So two, I have Weghorst's goal versus Argentina. Off the free kick mm-hmm. set piece yeah. to tie the game and to take into penalties. I mean, I mean that was a great play. Like they basically slipped it in. Nobody was expecting, it, and he just tapped it in. Like it wasn't like anything crazy, but to me that was extremely clutch. As the composure, you know, to to secure the touch, tap it in. I mean, everything went well. I was supposed to go. And for me, one, I have the Mbappe penalty to tie the game three three in the World Cup final. To me, this goal. 
with all the pressure on you, all the eyes on you, your entire country on your back. And if you miss this, you're done. And he sinks it, scores, seizes the moment, and takes his country to penalties. And obviously, they don't end up winning, but I feel like that goal had so much pressure on it attached to it that it has to be the clutch of going in tournament for me. Yeah. Like, yeah, honestly, the uh, the Argentina one that you said, uh, the Saudi Arabia one, I didn't even actually think, like, I slipped my mind of putting it on the list. Uh, and I definitely would have put it on the list, I would say. Um, mm. But I'm going to stick to what I have. At number five, I think, who is the, I just want to confirm the name of the South Korean player versus Portugal. Um, is it Son? Huang Hee Chan. No, Son, Son got the assist. He had the assist. Who scored the yeah. goal? Just want to confirm. Uh, I believe his name is Huang Hee Chan. Okay. So the, the goal that was scored by, I think you said Huang Hee Chan, uh, yeah. South Korea versus Portugal, knowing that, you know, at that point, it looked like Uruguay was going through. And yeah. then South Korea, that last, like, 90 minute, I think it was plus in plus time to score yeah. that goal to make it 2-1. That was, I thought, was clutch goal because South Korea, you know, ended up making it to the round of 16. And I think that was a big accomplishment for them. And I remember how cool the moment of them actually watching, like, lifetime, seeing how the Uruguay game is going. And for them to make it, I thought it was an uh, awesome accomplishment. And number four... The Messi's goal versus Mexico, this is just how I felt about him. I felt like the yeah. reason was clutch, even though it was the first goal scored, was the first game they lost against Saudi Arabia. There was a lot of discussions. Oh, Messi, he's like, you know, is this time, you know, he's he's going to be gone, this and that. And then you play Mexico. You lose your out of the World Cup. Like, you're done. This dream, this, this last World Cup that was Messi was talking about, it comes to an end. And for them to play Mexico, and that goal that Messi scored 1-0, felt like there was a, like a an ounce of pressure out of coming out. Like, it just, it calmed down because it was a lot of pressure from Argentina. Mm -hmm. He could have got a lot of criticism had they lost that game. And for him to score that beautiful free kick, it felt like, you know, like, it was like a, it was a piece, like a sign of, like, calmness. Like, we got it, and now, then they continued, and, and they never looked back. But I thought it was a big moment because, you know, again, if they lose that game, they're out. So there was a lot of pressure, and, and he delivered with that, with that beautiful goal and that beautiful pass by Di Maria. At number three, um, do you I, I, these names slip out of my mind? But do you remember who scored the goal against Brazil for Croatia? Was it Perisic? Um, I mean, yeah, Perisic sounds like the name, but I'm not. I'm sure not too sure, was. but there was a goal scored by Croatia against Brazil. My goodness, I mean, mm. I thought Brazil won one zero, and them to score the goal in like overtime, like with like four or five minutes left, I thought it was a really clutch goal because. You don't score that you're out. For him to score it, get it to penalties, and and win, I thought it was definitely a very clutch goal, and it was awesome. Then for me, Mbappe versus Argentina. I mean, you could say second and third goal, but I said second because they were down two yeah. one, and the goal was so beautiful and just the yeah. hype over it was crazy. But I agree with you with that third goal. So I thought that was number two and number one. Uh, what's that Netherlands player name who scored the goal? Wout Weghorst. Yeah. Well, just we'll Yeah, I just want to confirm the names. I don't know. I get those names. Uh, like, I got to make sure I get, want to get the names. Thanks, Josh. But that goal against Argentina, even though I could have put Mbappe's number one, which I could understand, I put it because it literally was like the last second. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally. <laughs> like, that's why, that's why I put it at number one. I still couldn't believe, like, for them to score. I'm, like, thinking, okay, it's the last chance. All right, the game's wrapped up. And then they scored. And I remember the, the comments just say, the Dutch has scored. I'm like, no way. Like, <laughs> To me, that was the clutchest goals. It was so awesome. But uh, you could definitely put Mbappe's number one. There's a, definitely a lot for that to to be. You could definitely debate that a lot. So yeah, that's how I looked at it. Um, so, yeah, th that that's that. So, Josh, what is your top five favorite games? 
Um, okay, so for me, I'm going to put five. I'm going to put Japan versus Germany in the group stage. Like I said previously with that last minute goal, I mean, nobody expected Japan to win, and they just came out with the win. Um, next, I'm picking um, Morocco versus Spain. I know this probably will be controversial, but I thought it was a great game, and they completely shut down Spain, and they showed, you know, what they're capable of. Next, I'm saying Saudi Arabia versus Argentina. To me, that was another game. No one, that was another big surprising game. And yeah, I mean, the, like you said, the Saudi Arabia goal was really good. Next, I'm saying Netherlands versus Argentina because you know how last second that goal was and how end to end it was, really. For my favorite game, I have to pick the final, which is France versus Argentina, with Argentina winning on penalties. Mm, definitely, I like that list. For me, number five, I have Spain versus Germany. I just like the game. It was two top European teams clashing, and it went 1-1, a lot of action. So I put it at number five. And number four, Argentina versus Saudi Arabia. It was the shock. It's still the most shocking game of the tournament for Saudi Arabia to win the game 2-1. Uh, to one. It was a really good game because it was actually really good. It was 2-1. to one. It was a very competitive, and I think really putting it there because it was so shocking. Number three, Croatia versus Japan. I love the game. Japan started off 1-0. Croatia tied it. Goes to penalties. An, awesome, an absolute classic game. Number two, I put Netherlands versus Argentina. I mean, the quarterfinals, yeah. I don't know. That was so good. Two to two. Goes to penalties. And it was awesome. Number one, I think we you know, all agreed on that. France versus Argentina. It had to be. It was a special game. Three to three. Goes to penalties. One of the best finals that I've ever seen. So that's how I kind of had it. But... Uh, like the list, you know, that was fun to talk about the World Cup. And uh, Josh, let us know what the topic two is. So next, topic two, WWE. So first, I'm going to ask, what are your best moments and worst moments of WWE SmackDown on December 30th, 2022? Yeah. Uh, so for me, um, you know, for December 31st, 2022, for me, the best moment was it was nice to see John Cena coming back, teaming up with Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. I think that was an awesome match, even though I know it wasn't very long and people wanted, obviously, John Cena to be in the match longer. Obviously, John Cena also does movies and outside, so, you know, you want to make sure he's protected and stuff like that. But I still think it was awesome to see that megastar coming back and, and Cena still to be wrestling at that age. And, and what he's able to do was an awesome match, a lot of action and it was fun for me i love the main event seeing an owens one it was awesome another one charlotte's return that was shocking didn't see it coming and her to beat ronda rousey like out of nowhere kind of not expecting that i think that was very cool only thing is that uh, i know ronda was kind of her but definitely it would have been nice to see kind of a longer match between them but still awesome um and then for me again bray you know begins with smackdown with uncle howdy very interesting because i first thought you know, now we found out Uncle Howdy somebody else. We're thinking maybe it's Bray Wyatt, but that wasn't the case with Uncle Howdy, Sister Abigail Bray Wyatt. Very interesting storyline. So I give SmackDown a 9 out of 10. I think it was an awesome. Uh, just going to give my ratings, too, out of, on a scale of 1 to 10. So, yeah, 9 out of 10. I think it was awesome. And it was a fun show to watch uh, before, obviously, the new uh, before uh, the New Year's. So for the December 31, also, I didn't really have any worst moments. So what are your best and worst moments of WWE Raw on January 2nd, 2023? Yeah, for me, I think the best moments for sure, we had the main event, Seth versus Austin Theory. I love how Austin Theory is being portrayed now. No more of this uh, doing the photos. He's really being taken serious as a heel, and I think he's a very top star with a lot of potential. So I'm happy to see Austin Theory in this role. And and he put up, they had a very good match. I liked in Austin Theory. They figure out a way to win. It's a great heel, and I, and I just, I'm a huge fan of A-Town down. 
And then Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair. It was a very great match. I really liked it, but interesting ending. Obviously, Alexa Bliss now, again, with the Bray Wyatt. She's kind of turning back into that uh, Bray Wyatt, the, the you know storyline she had with her and Bray Wyatt with Uncle Howdy. And then she kind of turned and uh, attacked Bianca, the ref. So I thought it was an interesting ending. Obviously, I kind of maybe want the actually, you know, I may want to see maybe like some, like they match to have like maybe a better finishing, but this is an interesting finish. Cause I don't think Alexa bliss and Bianca Blair are still done. So I still think it's interesting. Overall, I give the show eight out of 10. I didn't really have any worst moments. Okay. So what are your best and worst moments of WWE SmackDown on January 6th, 2023? Uh, for me, the, I think the best move was, uh, the best moment was seeing Drew and Sheamus, the main event versus the Usos for the undisputed tag team champions. I think it was an absolute thriller match. It was very awesome. And the Usos did win. Very cool. Another one was Reigns in the Bloodline segment with Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn has been an absolute treasure with the Bloodline. I mean, it's been an awesome storyline. Sami Zayn is a very special talent. But watching that, like the storyline, Reigns kind of saying like, oh, you want to be me? And they started yelling at Sami Zayn. It was just like crazy. And then after that, Sammy Reigns said, I don't accept your apology. I should apologize. It was just very crazy. And the, Sammy's in the bloodline, the promos, everything's just been spot on. And I'm just I'm just loving the bloodline with Sammy Zane. It's just been awesome. I would say I dislike a little bit Karrion Cross and Scarlet versus Mad Cop Monsters. Emma, a lot of great talent. I'm not disrespecting the talent. I thought it was a great match, but I thought it could have been definitely a longer match, maybe a a, a, a longer match and that's what i was thinking i think the match was a little bit short but it was still very interesting i gave smackdown an 8 out of 10 so what are your best and worst moments on wwe raw on january 9th 2023 yeah for me the best moment i would say it was a, a lot i would say i had alexa bliss uncle howdy alexa bliss you know talking on a promo it was awesome to see her it seems like she's kind of turning heel that uncle howdy coming out very interesting now seeing that correlation then mvp talking to bobby lashley a potential hurt business reunion so that's very interesting maybe there's a reunion i'm hoping for that a lot of people want that to happen so there's potential of a reunion then the tag team turmoil at the end where the judgment they did win that was an awesome match with a lot of great tag teams there alpha the street profits it was very awesome and i like i like raw in general i didn't really have any worst moments so i'll give it an eight out of ten so next what are your best and worst moments on aw rampage on january 11 2023 um yeah AEW rampage it was a 10 out of 10 i mean there was nothing wrong with the show this was an absolute spectacular show all matches were great i mean um for me i really liked the moxie versus hangman adam page match it was an absolute thriller great way to start um i also liked the the main event with the AEW trio championship the elites um kenny omega and the young bucks versus the death triangle pac penta l and and ray i think that was an awesome match um yeah, it was so awesome. Another one was Tony Storm and Soraya versus Jamie and Dr. Britt Baker. Interesting match. Obviously, it was a lot of talk about potentially Sasha Banks now, Mercedes Monet uh, coming there, AEW. She wasn't there. A lot of people were upset. Um, and yeah, but still, regardless, seeing Soraya back in the ring after so many years of what she had to go through was still very special. And it was still very awesome. So 10 out of 10, this show was honestly perfect. It was awesome. Great job, AEW. Continues to deliver great pay-per-views. What were your thoughts on Sasha Banks' debut on NJPW Wrestling Kingdom on January 4th, 2023? Yeah, it was inter uh, interesting. You know, we've had that discussion, I think, prior that Sasha Banks was potentially returning back to WWE, and then things went south. It seems like it was a money situation. She didn't return. I don't know the actual reason. Maybe hopefully find out soon. But I'm happy for her. I think her debut, I think this is something she wants. She's always been interested in wrestling in Japan. 
And I'm just happy for her. Um, obviously, I'm a WWE fanboy. Danny makes fun of me for that. I'm a huge fan of WWE. <laughs> and obviously, I want her to be there. I really hope maybe down the line she comes back. But I'm happy for her that she's in Japan. She wanted to wrestle in Japan. She gets her moment. And I think she's going to do very great things there because she's an exceptional wrestler. So I'm happy for her. But obviously, yeah, I'm not here to disrespect Japan's product. They're a very good wrestling company. Obviously, when it comes to wrestling, they're one of the best. But yeah, obviously, being a grown-up WWE, seeing her, watching her, seeing how she was part of the changing the woman's evolution it was such and special so she's gonna be missed um and yeah there was some you know talks about her potentially um actually we're gonna get to that later so but yeah happy for her happy for sasha banks she seems very happy and she wants to do this so always happy for for one of my favorite wrestlers Mm -hmm. so what are your top 10 favorite sasha banks moments and your top 10 favorite matches of sasha banks yeah i thought you know for you know Definitely is a great, uh, you know, I wanted to definitely talk about this. Obviously, now Sasha Banks now at, at the moment not being part of WWE. Talk about, you know, all of her great achievements in WWE. So for you, the top 10 favorite moments. So I'm going to start from 10, you know. So for me, 10 first when Sasha became Sasha Banks became the four-time Raw Women's Championship at SummerSlam 2007 versus Alexa Bliss. The reason why I like that moment, I thought it was an awesome moment for her in a big stage. SummerSlam is a very big stage. SummerSlam and WrestleMania are considered the biggest stage and also the Royal Rumble was a great match with Alexa Bliss, so that's why I thought it was number 10. And number 9, Sasha and Charlotte at Hell in a Cell 2016. Why? Obviously, the match was very great. Charlotte did win, but the thing about that match, they were the first women to ever compete in a Hell in a Cell ring, a Hell, Hell in a Cell kind of structure. So I thought it was kind of history in the makings for women's continuing to break barriers, and it was so awesome to see two of the most prolific uh, WWE um, superstars doing uh, special things so definitely for me the history making of them being the first kind of two women's to compete in the kind of the hell in the cell structure um so at number eight i have sasha banks wrestlemania debut entrance with snoop dogg it was so cool to see her cousin snoop dogg coming out and then she'd come bringing her to the ring awesome entrance and then the match with becky lynch charlotte flair exceeded that and at the biggest stage of all her debut was absolutely spectacular she really showed that you know she's one of the greatest in, in wwe at number seven, I have Sasha's return to Raw after some time uh, when she attacked Natalie and changed her hair to blue in August 12, 2019. The reason I thought that was interesting is because she, at the time when she was in WWE before she uh, was gone for a few months, um, she was a babyface. She was kind of had the, uh, her and Bailey kind of were a team with the balloons and everything. And they were like babyface and everybody loved them um, uh, as their, how great wrestling and, and they were going great as babyface. But then when she came back and then, it looked like she would come back baby face and then she attacked Natalia. And then the first time she takes out her wig, it was purple. And and then mm-hmm. she looks at it and she's wearing blue. And it kind of just showed like a new change, a new Sasha Banks, something new. And then from there, it was special what she did as a heel than going back to a baby face. Like she did a lot of great things when in, in WWE. And when she turned that, it was kind of like a huge step for Sasha Banks. She's played heel a lot of times, but... At that point of her career to go heel, it was perfect timing, and it was so awesome with her and Bailey. So I really liked it. And number six, I say Sasha Banks winning her first women's championship on July 25, 2016 on Raw against Charlotte. I think that was a great moment because for her, it was the first time in her career, you know, besides winning the NXT championship on on Raw, to win a, to win the championship, she was teary. Obviously, it was a big moment for her to, to prove to the world that, you know, she's a, a top WWE star. And it was a big moment for her, and it was awesome to see. 
At number five, Sasha and Bailey, the golden role models. To me, during the pandemic, man, there was no basketball, no really no sports. And wrestling was that one sport that was on, really. Remember watching it? Mm-hmm. Sasha and Bailey, the golden role models, really. I feel like when it comes to the women's, um, her, Bailey, Oscars too, you know, there was a lot of women's, but Sasha and Bailey really carried the company during the pandemic era. I mean, they uh, Bailey won the SmackDown Women's. She was a SmackDown Women's Champion at WrestleMania. Sasha Banks and Bailey won the Tag Team Champions at Wrestle. I believe. I think they won it on SmackDown. Yes, against Alexa Bliss and um, and Nikki Cross. But then they, I think, retained on Backlash. But it was so awesome. Then they became Tag Team Champion. Then Sasha beats Oscar. First they face an Extreme Rules. Their storyline was great. Then then they face at Raw, and then she wins. They're the double champions. They're running the show. The whole storyline. Then after that. Um, they played perfect heels and Bailey was great in this all too. They both were awesome. And then, then after that, the storyline between Sasha and Bailey, it could have been a WrestleMania main event worthy, but they did it in the Hell in a Cell. Um, and I think it was awesome. Like during the Hell in a Cell, um, that match was great. Obviously, it was during a pandemic era. Obviously, it would have been awesome with fans there, but it was awesome the whole storyline. So I thought it was awesome. And obviously, Bailey turning on Sasha, everybody thought it'd be the other way around. Very awesome, very great, and it was it was just beautiful. I love that. And number five. And number four, Sasha and Bailey becoming the first women tag team champions. That was a big moment in the elimination chamber for them to win the women's tag team champions. And I think it's because, you know, you know, that was the first that was the first ever women's tag team champion. They break in barriers and it's a special moment, you know, first time for women's to have that kind of tag team champions. I think it was an awesome moment. And they were well deserving of it. So that was awesome. Number three, I have Sasha versus Bailey, November 6, 2020 for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Why? Sasha Banks has won many titles, but that was the first time she had she defended the title successfully and had a long reign. You know, anytime she won the Raw Women's Championship, you know, I think how it was she was portrayed, you know, she had very short reign. She she couldn't defend it. She would lose right after. But this one, she was able to win it. And it really showed at that point, like, I'm the number one of this company. And she continued to hold a very long, I think, 100 plus day reign. So it was awesome to see. Now, Sasha, uh, number two, Sasha Banks and uh bianca blair main eventing wrestlemania the first two women's of color to main event wrestlemania it's a big achievement something has never been done and for them obviously for sasha banks bailey before the match started bianca blair was type kind of crying sasha banks it looked like she was trying to hold in the tears and it was a big moment for them sasha banks dreamed to main event wrestlemania she did it and at the same time they put up an absolute thriller of a match number one nxt takeover brooklyn Bailey and Sasha, that was probably the greatest moment, I would say, of Sasha Banks' career. They put up an absolute thriller of the match. Bailey did win, but at the end coming out, and and you see Sasha getting Terry Cugs, Bailey, Becky, and Charlotte coming out, and they pulled their fingers up and, and put, you know, and say like four, the four horsewomen. They really revolutionized women's uh, wrestling. And obviously, I always felt like women's wrestling always deserved more respect. But for some reason, when that kind of match and what they put up, it felt like it was the first time, like, it was taken very seriously, and, and we knew that how talented these women were, and it was so happy. And they were part of kind of revolutionizing the women's, uh, the women's locker room. So it was awesome to see. So at number 10, I have Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair at Hell in a Cell 2016. I thought it was an awesome match. It was a very good match. Obviously, you already know they kind of like made history being the first women to fight, uh, fight in a Hell in a Cell structure. It was an awesome match, and yeah, I really enjoyed it. At number 9, Sasha versus Bailey, November 6, 2020. Uh, SmackDown, again, awesome match. You know, we got to see the Hell in the Cell. They put up a thriller. And this match, it really matched it. They had like a nice 20-minute fight. And we saw the 
the skill of both of these talents and, and kind of the trash talking that they both do is just so awesome. Their chemistry is awesome. That's what makes that match really awesome. Number eight, I don't know if a lot of people say this. Sasha Banks versus Asuka Survivor Series 2020. A reason I liked it was SmackDown versus Raw. Asuka and Sasha always, they might have, they fought a lot, you know, in, in WWE, but they always put up very good matches. Um, So mm. I loved it. I loved the match. It was so awesome. And I really enjoyed it. Obviously, it's hard to kind of rank them, but this was definitely up there in the top 10. And number seven, Sasha versus Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch versus Bailey NXT TakeOver. I was awesome. We got to see the four horsewomen compete. Sasha did win that match, and 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 they was an absolute thriller of a match. I mean, Sasha Banks, like when it comes to like the top five greatest like WWE wrestling match, she's definitely part of a lot of them. Um, that was an awesome match. Number six, Sasha Banks versus Becky Lynch, Hell in a Cell 2020. Again, another great match. Uh, was in Hell in a Cell, Becky and Sasha going at it. Great chemistry. They continue to just prove how great both of these stars. I mean, Becky Lynch was on fire. Sasha Banks, anytime Sasha Banks in the ring, she puts up great matches. And obviously, Becky Lynch is the same thing. They're both uh, absolutely uh, great wrestlers. So, obviously. Uh, at, um, at number five, Sasha Banks versus Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch, WrestleMania 32. Sasha Banks' debut at WrestleMania was really awesome to see. That match was awesome. The ending was crazy with Ric Flair kind of, I think, holding Sasha and Charlotte did win the match. Um, but yeah, very good match. I mean, it's kind of hard to, uh, I would say, describe like in obviously like all details because obviously so many matches, but it was a really good match. They're hard to rank, but I, I really enjoyed that match. Uh, number four, Sasha versus Bailey, Hell in a Cell 2020. Why in the, in the most difficult circumstance in the pandemic era with no fans, it was kind of like a Thunderdome, but still no actual fan. Sasha Banks beats Bailey, had a great storyline. Their trash talking was great. They were like they're talking. They made the match so good, and their chemistry and everything about the match was awesome. Absolute thriller of a match. Of course, we all wish it was in front of fans, but still to watch it in the difficulty they had to perform in kind of a stadium with no fans, they, they did an absolutely great job, and I love the match. Number three, this is where it's tough. This could be ranked number one, a lot of people's mind, but the other two I think people would agree on. Sasha Banks versus Bianca Blair, WrestleMania 37, the biggest stage of all, main eventing WrestleMania 2. Uh, Women's of Color, main event of WrestleMania, never happened. History in the makings. Awesome match. And they delivered as arguably one of the greatest WrestleMania matches out there. It was one of the best. So I remember that. It was just so awesome to see making history as well. Uh, and number two, Sasha Banks versus Bailey Iron Man match, NXT. Awesome match. 30-minute Iron Man. Sasha Banks and Bailey, as you can see, I have literally four matches of them on the list. So it's clear that they always put up great matches. But something in that... That sec, uh, but that Iron Man match was so great, and it and went to the, you know, it went to the wires, and and, and obviously it was a great match. And number one, Sasha Banks versus Billy NXT Takeover Brooklyn 2015. Even Fernando who came on this episode before said he's been to that wrestling match, and it was the best match he's ever watched in person. He's even been to it. It has to be number one, absolutely spectacular match, and it was a big moment for women's, you know, kind of just taking like how it was taken more seriously obviously they deserve more respect and and after and it slowly slowly now we see women's in wrestling in wwe and it's been awesome but one of the greatest matches ever i think in wwe history when it comes to women's it's up there at number one i don't even think it's a debate awesome match all right so next so what do you think about sasha banks's time in wwe do you think she is a hall of famer and do you think she'll ever come back to wwe so for me, what I think about Sasha Banks' time in WWE, it was a success. I mean, she's the most decorated WWE woman superstar out there. In my opinion, in the current era, I think she's the GOAT in the current era. I'm not going to disrespect anybody in the past era, but in the current, I think she was the greatest um, 
female wrestler in WWE. And I don't if and I know there's people who can the people might debate that. I'm okay. Let's let's have the debate. But I think she's the greatest female wrestler in, in WWE in the current era. Obviously, her not being there is a big loss. Do I think she's a Hall of Famer? I've, look, this is going to be an interesting question, but I think everybody agrees that she is. I mean, let's just talk about what this this Sasha Banks has accomplished in WWE. I mean, let's start off the list. She Sasha Banks, history. That's her name. Like in W, she's made a lot of history. She she was the she competed in the in the first ever women's match in the Middle East, became the first ever tag team uh champion uh, for women first ever woman to wrestle in a hell in a cell match and an iron woman match first woman of color to main event wrestlemania i mean look at all the history that she made not to speak of she's a nxt champion she's a four-time raw women's champion a one-time smackdown women's champion a three-time tag team champion i mean her resume speaks for itself she's an absolute decorated uh wwe star and the one thing also about her that's underrated any match she puts up, even if she loses, she puts that competition over. I felt like the main events against Bianca Blair. Bianca is a great talent. I'm not disrespecting her, but Sasha Banks, even though she lost, she put her over, put Bianca Blair up, and now Bianca Blair is the number one person in WWE. So for me, she's definitely a Hall of Famer. And I want to say, obviously, uh, do I think she's going to come back to WWE? There's been reports on it, you know, that potentially that she would maybe, um, that she might, um, you know, maybe pe- they think in, in WWE that maybe, if she, you know she uh you know after her MJPW kind of contracts up is not really long term that she would return there was some rumors that she'd be in AEW I don't doesn't seem like to be true yet I'm not sure but obviously never say never hopefully she returns you never know I mean at the time when she posted on Twitter like thank you Vince all of that was kind of shown seems like you know that that kind of step moved on but you never know hope as a fan of WWE I hope she comes back but you know if if you know, as the, as the moment stands, she's not there. I just want to say, you know, thank you, Sasha Banks. She's one of my favorite wrestlers ever, and she definitely will always will be. Uh, thank you for all the great memories you brought to WWE. You made women's, you you had an impact on women's wrestling. One of the greatest WWE superstar ever, and I think she's a first ballot Hall of Famer in WWE. She, her, she should be in the Hall of Fame. It's controversial because she left, but I still think she should be in the Hall of Fame. She deserved the respect. She changed the game for women's wrestling. And thank you very much. And uh, she's going to be missing WWE, and I'm definitely going to be watching NJPW to follow her because she's an exceptional, extraordinary talent. So thank you very much, Sasha Banks. You're the the best. Moving on to topic three, uh, NBA. Uh, Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant is expected to be silent for approximately a month, sources told ESPN Adrian Wojnarowski on Monday. The Nets announced Monday that Durant was diagnosed with with an isolated MCL sprain of his right knee and will be reevaluated in two weeks. So what are your thoughts on this? How will this impact the Nets? I mean, it sucks, honestly, because I believe this is an injury that he had before, right? Yeah. Yeah, he had it, Um, I think, the year. Yeah, but they like, got like 11-game losing streak. They were like top yeah. in the East, yeah. They are playing really well, too. I mean, I feel like they were finally getting into like a good groove. You know, with the chemistry meshing and of course, injury like this strikes at the worst time. I mean, I feel like they can still, you know, come back. Obviously, it's it's a month, I believe. So, I mean, they're going to have to figure some stuff out. But I, be, I still believe that, you know, with the coaching, you know, Jock Bond and, you know, Kyrie. Yo, shout out to him. He's doing an exceptional job. He Definitely is, yep. coach of the year candidate. Kyrie, even Ben Simmons has been playing decent as of late. So, I feel like they can, like... I expect them to go at least uh I believe we were talking about this earlier. I think you said five hundred was the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that they should go at least five hundred, right? 
Hopefully, because you know you have your best player out. Yeah, let, I mean, let's look at their schedule. Look, they play Boston today. They did lose today. Um, they play Thunder. You got the Spurs, the Suns, the Jazz, the Warriors, the Sixers, the Pistons, the Knicks, the Lakers, the Celtics again. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like it's a it's a it's a doable stretch of games, and I feel like yes, you do have KD out, but your other players and stars and rotation players should step up, and I feel like it's it's a stretch of games where you can. You know, you can come out on top, and I feel like they can get through this. And I feel like it obviously will hurt them, but I feel like it shouldn't hurt them too much. Okay. So my thoughts on this, obviously, you know, it's it, it's tough. Kevin Durant kind of sustained this injury, you know, prior uh, last season, a similar injury like this. might actually might have been exactly MCL sprain. Um, and, you know, tough, obviously. It's hard to replace one of the top five players in the league. Um and for them, how it impact the Nets? I think this time will be different. I think this time they will be 500, like at least 500. I think they'll at least go. They, I don't think they're going to go on 11 games losing streak. And this time I think it's different. First, last year, they had James Harden. James Harden ultimately left. They didn't want to be there. Changed everything. Kyrie Irving was part-time on and off. The roster was all fluctuated. But this time is different. There's some stabilization. Kyrie Irving's there. Ben Simmons is there. They have a very good team. TJ Warren's a very good player. Watanabe. And then... With the whole thing with Steve Nash, obviously we know he got fired. Now they got um, Jock Vaughn. He's doing a great job. I feel like there's some sort of system and stabilization right now, and I feel like they will be able to. This time it won't be as it won't be like crazy as it was last time because yeah, they got still have Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving is a generational talent. He is special, and I feel like this is the time for Kyrie Irving to step up and 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 even play to a higher level. That's what it comes down to. Other guys going to yeah, step out. See, true. I think Kyrie's going to step out. Ben Simmons is going to have to be the number two guy. <laughs> You're going to have Seth Curry. He's going to be have to doing a great thing. Roy Sony. Everybody has to step up. But this honestly is just going to come down to me. It looks like Kyrie Irving. He's going to have to step up, lead the team, and and be good. And if they go anything above 500, that'd be awesome. I mean, because the Nets are legit right now. They're looking good. They, they in the beginning of the season it was shaky, but right now they're playing very good basketball. And they're looking very good. Things have changed after that Washington game. Things have changed. Warriors are currently 20 and 21, sitting eighth in the West. On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you about the Warriors? Can they still turn this season around? Um, hmm. I'm going to say that I'm honestly, I'm I'm not that concerned. Like, I feel like, like this team, like, has been through so much as a unit, you know? They know each other well. Obviously, they've gone through rough patches before. I always feel like this team is going to pull through. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just like, I don't know. But I feel like this team is going to pull through. Like, no matter what, like, I feel like they can, you know, just gather together and, you know, mount, like, some type of return. Like, they have stretches in the past where they weren't playing so good in the regular season and they turned it around. So, I have no doubt for this team. I guess I'll say, like, a, I don't know, like a, like a five. I don't know. Like, to me, like, I feel like something, like, this team is too good. Like, they have the championship predicate. They have the coaching, they have the leadership. They have everything in set in place. And I feel like they'll turn around eventually. So, like, when it comes to teams like this, I just don't worry. Like, I feel like they're going to do something, you know? Yeah, I mean, right now, as it stands, I'm on a scale of 1 to 10, I would say a 3. I mean, very little. Because the thing is, the reason I gave yeah, them a 3 is because too much. They're, they're on the road. Like, they've been um very bad. Yeah. Very bad on the road. Um, definitely, at home they've been great, but at the road for some reason they've been very bad. The reason I'm not concerned, first of all, is they're 20 and 21. Curry was out. 
Obviously, the Draymond Jordan Poole situation, we never got a chance to discuss about it. Definitely, I would say it could look like it has some sort of effect on the team. Um, but I think it's still too early. I feel like we got to look in the playoff when it gets closer to the playoffs. I still think they could go on a win streak and be fine. But I think the reason why the Warriors team is very different this season than last season was because first, those pieces they had last season, you know, they had uh, Damian Lee, they had Juan Toscano Anderson, Otto Porter, Gary Payton. They're missing those pieces and they kind of transition to like, instead of kind of having those pieces to rely on those young guys, Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, um, yeah. uh, um, James Wiseman, uh, Jordan Poole, you know, these kind of pieces. And obviously, you know, they're kind of transitioning and trying, but it hasn't gone to plan in the beginning. And obviously they've had some great games. I mean, Jordan Poole has got the bag, had some great yeah. games. And then, <laughs> you know, Clay Thompson on and off, but Clay Thompson has been recently playing very good. And just, it's just been not like consistent performance from the bench. I think that's kind of been the main difference. And defensively, they're not the same team they were last season. So I think there's a lot of different things for, for Golden State. Uh, but I still think it's too early. They have a lot of time. And yeah, I, I think um, I still think they'll be fine. Obviously, I said three because of, you know, it, it's still we're kind of getting in the middle of the season. So you get a little bit, but it's still too early. And I still think they can turn it around. And I still think they can make a run at it. But we'll see uh, for the title. We'll see what, what happens. And we'll talk about this probably, you know, a few months down the line. All right. And it's probably a bit Otari, but... <laughs> Do you got anything to say? Well, actually, actually, no, no, no. Okay, so I, I just want to know, you, you as a Clippers fan, you know, like, do you have anything to say, like, about the Clippers right now, you know? I mean, I know they did just get a win, but on a scale of 1 to 10, like, how concerned are you about, like, how they're doing right now? Well, obviously, the Clippers are currently, I think, sixth in the West. And, uh, you know, when the season started, a lot of optimism started, a lot of excitement for the Clippers. Obviously, Kawhi coming back, PGs, you know, but... Kawhi not being able to play a lot all back-to-backs in all the games with his uh, injury. Then he kind of had another injury. He missed a lot of games through the season for something. Um, Paul George, you know, just the injuries kind of been hurting the Clippers. And, and still, I think the Clippers, unfortunately, that organization, no stabilization. I mean, different guys playing every night. Ty Lue has a tough job, you know. But the thing is, I'm still not concerned on scale 10. I say two. I mean, one. I, I Actually... I'm gonna go. Mm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go two because the thing is, even though a little bit is the fact that it's still getting in the middle of the season, and you know, I get you get concerned with these injuries, like you know, hopefully that they would be in the playoffs, and and I, you know, that's the expectation. But obviously, this is sports, and you never know. So that's the concern that will you know Kawhi and PG be able to play come playoff time, and that's the main thing. And also, a little concerning is about the chemistry. The bottom line is Kawhi and PG cannot play, not being able to play a lot of games. You know, could that have an effect on chemistry? We've seen. Um, in when the Clippers played in the bubble, they didn't play. Kawhi did not play that many games, and they got they they lost a three one lead. I feel like chemistry True. does matter, and I hope they're able to build that. I think that's important, and they have a lot of talent. Talent's there. They had it in twenty twenty. Maybe this team's more talented, but chemistry matters, and and obviously comes down to playing games. So hopefully they could figure it out. And hopefully towards February March, Kawhi could play more games. Um, but I really do hope they they work on this kind of. Uh, the, the situation, but it's a little bit concerning, but still not. Still, I think same thing with the Warriors, low too. I would say early, but it's getting there. It's midseason. They're sixth in the West. I don't think they're going to be that very high in the standings. And I kind of expected, I think I predicted them to be. I know we didn't have the episode, but I was thinking they'd be probably top three, top four, because of knowing that Kawhi and PG weren't going to play a lot of games. Yeah. But still, I think the main thing for me, my concern would be chemistry a little bit right now. I think, and as the season goes on, my concern level might jump up, but we'll see how it goes. And hopefully they'll turn it on. Started yesterday, Dallas, they won the game. They were on a six-game losing streak. They needed to win. They beat Dallas. Uh, Kawhi was dominant. Luka, of course, is like 
the the mayor of the Clippers because he just always <laughs> plays good against us. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, you know, needed that win, and hopefully they could turn it around. But definitely, you know, hopefully the me again. The main thing is chemistry, I think. And will Kawhi and PG be they be able to play playoff time? That's that's the main thing. That this franchise is under a lot of pressure to to deliver a championship. I don't know if they not if they get out early this season, which I don't expect, or they don't you know they don't win the championship. We'll see on that. You know, I don't know how to describe Kawhi and PG's success error with the with the Clippers. Um, it's it's very mm. tough to talk about, but we'll get to that when when that time comes, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, I'm rooting for the Clippers to to get the job done this year. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so yeah, topic four. Ooh, so Josh, big news. Obviously, we uh, Cristiano Ronaldo had agreed to join Saudi Arabia club Al Nasser on a two-year deal that will make him the highest-paid soccer player in history. I mean, annual salary of approximately two hundred million dollars a year. Um. So, what are your thoughts on this move? Obviously, people are very, very shocked about this move. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm shocked. I mean, this is obviously the last place I've seen him going. I believe he even talked about how he wouldn't go to yeah, a place prior, where he like money, if he gets he, older, he like he wouldn't play yeah. Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and like, like you said, like those words playing and then seeing him here is just crazy. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but like you said, he literally ended up here. I mean, it's just kind of shocking. But when you try to break it down, I mean, I think at this stage in his career, especially with how I don't know if it's connected to how the World Cup ended up, but I feel like he wants to go to a place where, you know. He feels valued in a sense. We know how things ended with, with Man United, which is partially his fault. But I feel like he wants to go to a place where he knows that he's going to start gaming. You know, I feel like he has an ego. I mean, as most players do, I feel like he doesn't want to come off the bench. And which places are there that is going to let him, you know, be the focal point of the team and let him, you know, do whatever, not whatever he wants, but like let the offense run through him. I feel like the place in Saudi Arabia is one of the few places that he can do that. Obviously, I'm pretty sure he had an MLS offer too, but. I, I don't know why he picked it, to be honest. I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's for the money, but he doesn't need the money. So, to me, it just makes no sense. So, I honestly want to hear your take on it. Let me pick it back. Yeah, one, that. I was actually stunned. Obviously, again, he said like that. I thought maybe I thought maybe it comes down to, was there any team in the Premier League that was willing to sign him? There was something about Newcastle, Clause he had. It came out to be yeah. false. So, I'm not too sure, like, about that. Obviously, he did say he had some offers. I think he said from Portugal. I think he said from... Uh, what he said, Portugal, U.S. I think there was a few other places he said. Uh, so it was very interesting, I think, that he said, um, you know, that he went there, obviously, for what he said prior in a younger age about, like, not going uh, yeah. to these type of teams. But he went there, felt like a money move, maybe looking at the options he had. To me, did he get a, I want to know, did he get an offer? I, obviously, I don't know if we'll find it. Did he get an offer from the France League? Did he get an offer from... Uh, the Spain league that he could yeah. offer from the Premier League. I feel League. like he had to have other offers. Like, there's no way that that he didn't. Have but other I'm just offers. curious. I, I hope we get to find out what team actually gave him an offer. It would be interesting though, since we don't know. This move felt yeah. like a money move. Again, you might have a point. A lot of people look at him with kind of the Man United follow, and again, partially his fault. I think there was some also Man United's fault because of what he expected wasn't really happening. He wasn't being able to start. But yeah, when it comes down to having an ego to start, because he feel like he's starting. I still feel like he can. Go somewhere and be a starter, but yeah, I feel like that narrative changed with Man United. Then the World Cup, a lot of just criticism, 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 and I feel like he just wanted to maybe also go somewhere that he'd be happy. And, and in Saudi Arabia, the one thing I'm happy is to see a legend being treated with the respect that he deserves. The the inaugural thing that they had him coming out with his family was so beautiful because I think he deserves respect. So it's happy to see him 
that he's actually enjoying himself and he's having fun with his teammates and being happy. That's what you can hope for. So I'm happy that he's getting that kind of respect. But at the same time, obviously, the one thing that saddens me, we know the most competitive kind of club of things is the Champions League, not having an opportunity to see him at least for two yeah. and a half years. Who knows if he can come back at that age? We don't know. It seems like this is his last run. And he also did say when it comes to winning, he has. He's won in the Premier League. He's won in the Spain League. Yeah, literally. He's won more. in the Italian League, league titles. Um, so he's kind of won everywhere. A lot of people say, uh, it was an interesting thing I heard, like maybe once he left the real Madrid, his kind of career kind of went. That's when it kind of started. But I don't know. Juventus, I thought was pretty successful. I know he didn't win a Champions yeah. League. Went back to Man United. That's why I felt like kind of ended, kind of went crazy because he had that. Because people, I feel like people are forgetting the the year before Man United, he had an absolutely spectacular season. What did he score? Like twenty five goals. Thirty five. I don't know the number. Like he he had a spectacular. He was what thirty six at the time. Like one year later, people forgot. Like I don't know what this new. I think they got a new coach, right? Mm. Was it a new coach that they got in Man United? I I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that. Like and then there's some new things. Everything changed, but. I think, I don't know if it's easy to say, was the mistake him coming to Man United? That's what I find interesting. Maybe he could, because they said that he maybe could even went to Man City, but obviously Man yeah, he United. he was going to go to Man City, City, you know, and like the and only reason why he went to Man United was because. But obviously like, for like, Man City, they got Highland, so I don't know. <laughs> they're obviously very happy yeah, right now. Yeah, but this is before, but, though. Oh, this is before, okay. Yeah, like, I think because, like, Man Man United initially, initially was not, I don't think they were even interested. Yeah. Because Man City was going to get the deal done, I feel like Man United. Because he's a club legend at Man United, like how would it look like to have your club legend playing, playing for your the rival, yeah, for your biggest, yeah. like it's crazy, right? But I feel like Man United was was forced to do it. Like, did, did they want him? I don't know. But to me, his first season was really good for them. So they're definitely obviously when it comes to Champions League, they, I know they lost in the for round of sixteen, but yeah, yeah, it was tough. I think then after that went south, but like, yeah, when it comes down to that, I'm still stunned with the move. I obviously happy for Saudi. It's a big thing for Saudi Arabia. A league to have a, a star of that caliber but at the same time he's gonna be missing the champions league it felt like a money move and also a move where like i want to be happy and i want to start and maybe there was a lot of opportunities he wasn't getting to start but regardless it's going to be interesting i think a lot of people are tuning in but the one thing ronaldo is man now nasser had like 300k followers they got like 10 million <laughs> plus i mean he changed really? them literally 48 hours He's still something. He's an attraction, man. I'm just so happy that, like, when I saw him happy and smiling, it just it was nice to see a legend just being happy. But it's still tough to see. I think we're still shocked because of what he said prior. But regardless, um, you know, let's see how this uh, journey goes for him. And now, obviously, we expect him to win. Um, we, ex- uh, we expect him to win. So that concludes episode 29. Wow, it's been a minute. Uh, it's been awesome, you know, to record. Um, it was fun. Um. Yeah, and you know, it was a great episode. You know, you can follow us at Straight Sports Podcast. Um, we're gonna, you know, try to. I would say, our goal is, you know, to put up an episode every, you know, once a week. But I would say, realistically, what we're targeting is at least two episodes a month. We hope to do that, be more consistent, and continue to provide great content. Um, thanks for all the supporters, and we're excited uh, when this episode's gonna be heard. In the next episode, we got something uh, very special um, in tune for you. So we're very excited about that. Don't want to put any spoilers, but you just got to wait and watch for the next episode. So thanks for joining us. Um, Yeah, and uh, shout out Jalen Brunson, though, because Joshua got to give him his respects. But we'll talk about Jalen Brunson another day. (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, it was awesome. And oh, oh, oh I had to do it. <laughs> All right, thanks for watching. Peace. Peace.